everybody. Welcome back to Down to Date. I have Taylor Nolan here with me. Yes. So excited to have you in the studio. Yeah. She also has her very own podcast. You want to give it a mm-hmm. shout out? Yeah. The podcast is called Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan and discuss all kinds of taboo topics, but primarily sexual and mental health. Nice. Yeah. And we have a lot of questions today. The theme for today is fears. Yes. And there's a lot of fears when it comes to matters of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just going through the past couple years of my life, the biggest fear I had was commitment. I was a huge commitment yeah. foe. And I would only be in a relationship for a few months and I would just give up. Mm. And um, it, it was I think it was just the fear of taking the next step or maybe... Yeah, there's a lot of pressure around the next steps. Exactly. So when you get like your first fight, your first big fight, Mm -hmm. as opposed to going over that hump. Yeah. You you put on the brakes and you're like, well, might as well jump ship because Mm -hmm. now it's getting to be too much. Yeah. Which conflict is not necessarily a reason to break up with a a relationship because conflicts can actually show you a lot of how you guys will manage things in the future. And it's really more important how you deal with the conflict than the fact that there's conflict. Exactly. It's so true. A quote that I recently have just grown to love is, it's not the situation that happens, it's how you react to the situation that defines you as a person. Yes. And hopefully you're responding and not reacting. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And one thing that I find with getting in an argument is um, responding out of like emotion mm-hmm. or your opinion yeah. as opposed to actually what's factually happening. Yeah. And... Yeah, there's there's uh, gosh, I forget who this was. I think this was in grad school. Someone brought this up to me where it was in any kind of like high emotional conflict situation. It's important to respond to emotion with emotion, to respond to logic with logic. If someone's coming from a a place of emotion and you're responding to them from a place of logic, things are going to get misconstrued. That is my problem. (laughs) That is my huge problem. I feel like even when I'm like arguing with my sister, I will have, I'll be like, and A, B, and C. And she's just like, I feel like you're like a robot. And I'm called a robot a lot mm. when it comes to arguments yeah um, but I've since tr- learned and like grown a lot with reacting emotionally or trying to pair emotionally what's your yeah. advice it's- for someone who is maybe more logical or maybe on the other side more emotional yeah well I think first is like taking that person where they're at like it's gonna be difficult to take someone who's in an emotional state who maybe just wants their feelings to be heard to hear a breakdown of why they're wrong and you're right mm-hmm. right um, so I think first reminding yourself of like let me take them where let me take them where they're at right now but then also kind of if it is super like highly emotional and there's a lot of reactivity going on it's okay to like take a break mm-hmm. <laughs> and gather your thoughts and come back um but i mean it's it, it can definitely be really difficult because when you are coming to it from a place of logic um it's, it requires you to be vulnerable mm-hmm. to reach that emotion. Exactly. And sometimes there's those blocks up of like, no, I just want to talk about this logistically. And in that situation, sometimes you're being kind of objective and you're not really letting yourself be in it and you're not being vulnerable. Exactly. And oftentimes that person that is responding emotionally just wants to connect with you. They just want to feel like you're feeling too. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I think that's something that I've like really tried to learn recently mm-hmm. um, because it there is a lot of like, like I feel like I'm hitting like a dead end. Yeah, in argument. That's the emotion and logic trying to talk to each other. And they but don't. Not... They, don't, they don't speak the same language. No, they don't at all. Well, what about someone who's maybe more emotional? Like, 
understanding someone who is more logical because there's the other mm-hmm. side of that coin. Yeah. I think, it, again, that first step, right, of like recognizing where that person's at and Again, taking a step back to say like, okay, hold on, let me gather my thoughts on this. Um, Sometimes I think when you are the more emotional person in that kind of conflict to clearly express what your need is. So to say, I'm feeling blank, I could really use blank. Yes. Like I'm feeling very overwhelmed and sad right now. Can you just share this space with me? I agree with that. And I feel like a lot of arguments tend to be cryptic. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes, like, what you're arguing about is not really what you're arguing about. Exactly. It's like, (laughs) I don't even know why I'm feeling this way. And I think something that I've learned to do is to say, I feel sad and I don't want to feel sad. I just do. Yeah. So help me not feel that way because I don't want you to be making me feel sad either. Like, we're Mm -hmm. on the same page here. Yeah. We both don't want this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, trying to figure out, like, the intention. And also... Also, I would say intention is really important. Too. Super. Yeah. So understanding someone's intention. Mm-hmm. If you're hurt by someone when their intention wasn't to hurt you, it leaves space for that kind of discussion to, you yeah. know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot I could say on that piece. <laughs> um, because in so many things, uh, I think it's important to remember intention versus impact. Yes. And, you know, we could talk about apologies and all that, but while your intention may not be to hurt someone else's feelings, the fact is that their feelings are now hurt. And you don't only have to take responsibility for your intention, but you also take responsibility for your impact. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, taking back what you've said, but acknowledging and empathizing with your impact. Girl, ego gets in the way. Yeah, it does. Ego gets in the way of that. And I... Yeah. Have sometimes I'm like, wait, we're talking about your ego. <laughs> I sometimes have a little bit of an ego when it comes yeah. to it because I feel like I don't get in an argument unless I like I'm pretty confident that I'm right, and Ooh, I could yeah. be wrong. Like, believe me, that's the ego talking. Yeah, well, so, it's also sounds slightly like avoidance of vulnerability because yeah. if you're coming from a really logistical place and you're coming from a place of like, I'm not going to enter this unless I know I'm right, or like, I'm right, so I'm gonna prove why I'm right. Yes. There's there's not that uh there's no real ability there to actually connect. Mhm. Right? True. Just like and I always find that finding strength and vulnerability is something that Super. I try to work on every single day. Yeah. Because that's the basis of co- basis of connection, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like Super. being vulnerable. Yeah. And so that's something that I've also learned is that when you say like you or when you speak of your faults or speak of things that hurt you, it, mm-hmm. I don't think it makes someone see you as like prey. Yeah, no. I think it makes people see you as like a, a relation. Like you can relate yeah. from that. People see them. They see the emotion in you as something they can relate to in themselves, yes. and it makes them feel closer to you. It humanizes you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say. I mean, like in the episode that you did with me on my podcast mm-hmm. it was a while ago, but. You were pretty vulnerable at times. Um, and I even... I That's what the show does to you. <laughs> yes. I will say, I will say in the past couple years, I have become so much more vulnerable than I was in the beginning. Yeah. It's yeah. going on the show for a lot of people is the first time that they actually are in a situation where they are invited to talk about their feelings yes. or even have an opportunity or a space to talk about their feelings. And that's part of why I think it's such a overwhelming experience. What's so jarring. Yeah. Because you're not used to people... I don't want to say caring, but it, it is like space. people are and caring about that for the, yeah, creating mm-hmm. the space. And that space, I don't think, is naturally created as often as it should be now. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, this, you know, 
kind of negative conception of, of talking about yourself and talking about your feelings that you're being selfish or you're yes. taking up too much space. Whereas in such a specific closed environment, like being on The Bachelor or Bachelor in Paradise, like they want to know all of it. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> tell me all your feelings. Feel all the feelings. Yeah. Um, you know, enjoy the roller coaster. Yeah. And that's what I've learned to do is to enjoy the roller coaster of your emotions mm-hmm. because um, in order to really enjoy the ups, you have yeah. to fight through the downs. You can't selectively numb feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about your fears. Oh, yeah. And I know you recently <laughs> went through a breakup. There's yeah. like a lot going on. So what is something that you're fearful like moving into the future? Uh, I would say one of my big fears that I have to kind of fight against a little bit is like a fear of rejection. Yeah. And the main way that I find I cope and kind of reframe that fear is that not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can't be everyone's type. Yeah. You yeah. Can't. Like yeah. not everyone is my cup of tea and I'm not going to be everyone else's cup of tea. And I don't really want to be with someone else unless they want to drink my whole cup of tea. Hell yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> there should be no yeah. tea left in this cup. <laughs> exactly. Right. Bring the whole kettle over. Yes. Yes. So uh, how do you overcome like a fear of rejection? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I'll share an experience I just had like this past week, literally yeah. like two days ago um I was on a dating app and was just getting ready to get together with someone it was like 30 minutes before the date he had just asked me out like that day and (laughs) 30 minutes before I go back to look on the app and the message is just gone Hmm. and I'm like oh what and I was like crap did I like accidentally delete our message and like now how do I get in contact with him? He's going to think I like bailed on him. Uh, he was also like in the mental health space. So I was like kind of excited for this date. I was yeah, like, oh, we have things in relation. Common. Yeah. And we didn't follow each other on Instagram, but I knew his Instagram. So I went back on Instagram, looked for it. And then it was like not there. And I was like, so why can't I find it? He literally was a ghost. Literally. And yeah. so then I did all this FBI research, you know, and basically he like unmatched and just blocked me like out of nowhere. Why? So... I was left, this is the first time I'd ever like fully been ghosted and like where online yeah. dating felt like such this terrible place. And it was, it, it was like, whoa, like I was just hella rejected. <laughs> but the thing is, the one thing that I, I don't want to say hate, it's a very strong word. Yeah, One dislike. thing that I dislike about online dating or different dating apps is because it's so easy. Yeah, there's like accountability. Face the person, mm-hmm. you can just disappear without any repercussions. Yeah, and um, it's I, I relate it to driving a car in traffic. Yes, because that's you can a good hide one. behind the car. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if other people don't exist. You're talking to like a machine, or you're yeah. you know communicating with mm-hmm. machine. Um, so in that way, you feel like you can get away with a lot more, like cutting someone off yep. or beeping at them when normally face to face. You're not doing yeah. that. You wouldn't just flick someone off. Oh, no. <laughs> on the street, You're really. Like, but but in I got your a car <laughs> of metal and glass blocking me. So good luck getting to me, you know. Yeah. But the same thing with online dating. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's there's a huge lack of accountability on there. And I really had to walk myself through this thought process of rejection mm-hmm. of like, whoa, first I thought it was my fault and I felt bad and like guilty. And I was like, how do I make this up? I want to make sure that he doesn't feel mm-hmm. rejected. Yeah. And then it was, well, wait, actually, I was the one that was rejected. And then it was, I mean, 
ultimately I kind of had to just laugh at it. Yeah. Like this was so ridiculous. And when someone rejects you in that form, to me it says way more about them and the place that they're in than exactly. it does about you. And it's not really, uh, like it's almost like you can't even really take that as a valid, credible yeah. form of rejection because they don't know you. No. They literally don't even know you. And you're not really allowed to have closure in a space like that yeah. because it's just completely... Yeah. Uh, there's just no room for closure. There's no access yeah. to closure. And the petty in me yeah. <laughs> was like, I'm a message Don't be him ashamed from, of the pettiness. Yeah, I was like, from, my, it, from the podcast Instagram page, I was like, I'm going to DM him through that because mm-hmm. he didn't block that. And I was like, no. You chicken. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to like <laughs> let my ego fuel this pettiness. Yeah. Um, but it was like, wow, I really had to like sit with that form of rejection. It was like a moment of, do I still want to be on dating apps? And it was just kind of like, yeah, like, you know. You win some, you lose some. And ultimately, this was his loss, not mine. A lot of things with going into the dating space again is there is going to be as much rejection as there might be. Yeah. You have to put yourself out there. You have to take it. You have to face the fear. Ooh. Or else how are you going to create opportunities for like a connection to take place? Yeah. And this is maybe more of a more vulnerable, more like deeper form of rejection. Uh. So yeah, I've been single since about September and was seeing someone. And at first it was just kind of like a sexcation. And then after like the second, third visit, I was like, wait, I actually, like, I feel feelings. feelings. Yeah, I was like, shit, I was supposed to do this. (laughs) But I was like, if I'm being really real with myself right now, Mm -hmm. and I was very vulnerable and was like, hey, like, I know I said this was just going to be a sexcation, but, Mm. um, you know, I actually have, like, real feelings for you and, like, could see a lot more with you. And it was a real vulnerable process to talk through that of, like, what we both want, what we both see in this. And ultimately, we we did somewhat want the same thing, but not really. Mm -hmm. And it's long distance, too, always. Long distance. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And... It, it was in a way it felt like a form of rejection that like the distance was too much or wasn't in the right place or wasn't right timing in his life. And so it was almost like this kind of transition to ask myself, OK, if what I truly want in this situation is not able to be met, am I OK? And can I be content and feel like I'm still honoring my wants and needs in this relationship with allowing it to still be a sexcation, knowing that there are deep feelings there? Mm. So it was like kind of a form of rejection, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It was very, very vulnerable and uncomfortable. I to feel like it's navigate. interesting <laughs> when you go into something with one idea, yeah, and then it shifts, yeah. You know, it, it's it's hard because I almost don't see it as a sense of rejection. I see it as like we're rewriting the contract, definitely. And, and yeah. I looked at it as kind of more of just like a transitional phase, but it part of it did feel like a rejection of like my heart because. Like he wasn't able to fully connect with my heart in the way that I would love for us to be able to. And I think there was still a want on his end, but there wasn't that actual motivation for that to Mm -hmm. come to fruition. Again, it's hard when you're not face to face, when it is long distance. You know, I feel like there's so much bravery when there's distance. Yeah. And when it is face to face, that is when you can like see someone's real truth. Mm-hmm. And so I almost feel like something with like long distance, online dating, stuff like that, um, with that wedge there. Yeah. You know, I almost feel like it does me a disservice 
Yeah, and, you know, and, and that is, you know, the other one that's like, you're not really fully seeing me. Yeah, I'm not even fully seeing you. Mm-hmm. So it does a disservice to who we truly are. Yeah, and he would have agreed with that, as would another person. Yeah, I really need to stop these long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a little bit of a break. When we get back, we're going to be reading questions from you, listeners. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Magical Overthinkers podcast, a show for thought spiralers, exploring the subjects we can't stop overthinking about, from celebrity worship to social media comparison. I'm your host, Amanda Montel. I am a textbook overthinker. I'm also an author and the host of the podcast, Sounds Like a Cult. Every other Wednesday on the Magical Overthinkers podcast, I'll interview a charismatic expert guest about some confounding subject from the zeitgeist. Think narcissism, imposter syndrome, syndrome, girl math. If you're like me and feel like the volume in your brain is just way too high sometimes, my hope is for this show to make some sense of the senseless. Listen to Magical Overthinkers now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to Down to Date. I'm here with Taylor Nolan and we are answering questions on fear regarding the heart. Yes. So I do have a lot of questions and fears from some of the fans out there. I'm not going to say their names just because I don't want to throw everyone's fears out there because maybe it's something they want to have be private. Okay, but for the first one, um, this one actually really struck me. It says, I'm scared that the higher I hold him up, the further he'll see that I'm beneath him. Yeah. What do you have to say about that, Taylor? I have a lot of things to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> as do uh, as Surprise, surprise. I have a lot yeah. of things to say. Um, first, I think it's, difficult even like on one hand give people time to show you their true colors um I think oftentimes when we first feel a connection for someone and we like them they are kind of like way up here and on one hand it's fantastic to think highly of someone and it's like I love feeling this high about this person and I hope I always hold them this high and like respect them and honor them and adore them um but you also have to like hold yourself that high. And I think when you do that, then you just, you're both kind of holding each other high. It's and perception. Yeah. Cause yeah. they're probably, it's the, I would say it's the honeymoon phase. Yes. Because you put them on a pedestal, you have all these expectations, you're seeing mm-hmm. the best of them, the excitement. Um, but my favorite part about a relationship is when, you know, that pedestal gets kind of knocked down a bit and you see them for a real person. Yeah, when they're humanized. Exactly. And that's where you yeah. find, again, vulnerability. And that's where you find mm-hmm. connection in the vulnerability with each mm-hmm. other. Um, and you don't want to be with someone who's on a pedestal. Or you don't want to perceive someone that you're with as, like, better than you. Yeah, I think, like, I think you just have to be careful when you are holding someone high that you're also holding yourself high. Yes. And throughout your partnership to understand that you might not always be at your best. And, like, part of your partner's hopefully responsibility within your relationship is to ensure that they're holding you high even when you're not holding yourself high. Yes, you need someone to be your cheerleader cheerleader at the yeah. same time. Like first and foremost, definitely be your biggest cheerleader, right? Mm-hmm. Like remember you're a full cup of tea, you're a full package, like this kettle is burning hot, it's got the greatest blends of tea in it. Yeah. Um, but like just because your partner is great doesn't also mean that you're not great. And exactly. Again, with your partner up on a pedestal, like just ensure that you're not questioning your your worthiness of that. I almost feel like 
it well sometimes I get like this as well if there's someone that I'm dating or someone that I'm interested in and I put them up on a pedestal mm-hmm. I'm almost so intimidated that I can't yeah. also like I, I can't be my full authentic self in front of them mm-hmm. because I'm a fr- <laughs> not that I'm a, it's, it's like the fear of being like oh dang like what yeah. do I even say yeah and you know? and I think like <laughs> I could get on board with holding someone high and up on a pedestal, but like one that is humanized and yes. one that is really like them in all their forms. Mm-hmm. If we just have this like, th- this is what I would say. If this is their authentic self on a pedestal, great. I think you can run with that. If this is the image mm-hmm. of them that you're, you have you're projecting created. your own image, yes. That you've created in your head of them. Mm-hmm. If that is the image that you're holding on a pedestal, that's where I think a lot of that intimidation comes in. Yes. That's where some of those insecurities and that fear comes in and feeling like you're lower than that. Like if you have given yourself time, because p- over time, people's true colors show. Mm-hmm. If you've given that time for their like true authentic selves to be seen in all their forms and their faults and their struggles and their weaknesses and all those things, if you can still hold that high on, on a pedestal mm-hmm. and hold that up, then I think that's like a really actual authentic connection that allows you to still show up and be vulnerable and be your full self. Yeah. Understanding that in your full package, in your cup of tea, you know, maybe you do have like a cat hair in there or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, find, also find relatability. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great way to make someone more human is to find something that you mm-hmm. both you you relate on like yeah. emotionally, vulnerably. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. All right, here's another one: fears of investing in a relationship, then seeing personality changes. Hmm. Am I gonna go first on this one? Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, read it one more time. Fears of investing in a relationship than seeing personality changes. So maybe the person isn't necessarily who you thought they were Mm -hmm. or like who they are shifts. Yeah. So first I would ask yourself again, how long are are we seeing this person before a form of commitment happens? Um, But also knowing that when you do take that step of commitment, you're really taking this person where they're at. And, you know, I mean, you could be with someone for five years, they have a significant trauma in their life, their personality changes, they're going to be a different person. Mm -hmm. And you got to kind of ask yourself, like, can I accept them where they're at right now? Can I, if if you're seeing a personality change, maybe it is helping under, trying to better understand, like, why they are this way. Maybe it is a conversation of like, you know, we used to do this all the time, but it seems like you prefer to do this now. Like, what's that about? Can you tell me more about it? Um, Because... It's not in your control. Yeah. Like the, how and that I person is is not yeah. something you can change. Exactly. And I also feel like life changes people. Totally. You know, either you grow together, you grow apart. Yeah. And, you know, people change within a day. They change within a week, a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely not the same person that I was a year ago. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like it's important to pay attention to are you growing together? Are you growing apart? If you're growing yeah. apart, then I would say maybe that's your maybe you're not as compatible anymore and that's okay yeah i mean who you are literally changes every day and in a committed relationship even in a non-committed relationship um non-romantic relationship hopefully you are getting to know whoever this person is in your life 
in a new way every day and every conversation you have with them that you're getting to know who they are today. So if there's a significant personality change or you're just seeing parts of their personality that you haven't seen before, I would say try to be open to it. Try to mm-hmm. understand it like you did in the beginning pre-commitment. Because and I would say in the beginning, you're probably more likely to want to alter because yeah. it has like the excitement. You're still learning. So mm-hmm. early love is more malleable. Yeah. And but I think once we reach that place of commitment, we think – oh, this is how this person is. Yeah. But like we have to be open to knowing that even when you've been with someone for, you know, five years, say, and they feel like they've been the same, we're still always changing and we're always like growing in different ways. So it's like you just have to ask yourself, like, is this something I'm still cool with? Can I Mm -hmm. love and accept and nurture and challenge and support this side of you that I haven't seen before? And if not, then maybe you got to Reevaluate. Rewrite (laughs) the contract. Yes, yes. Maybe there's a form of transition that happens. Right? All right. And so this one I feel like comes up a lot. Um, Fear of getting my heart broken. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you, whenever you love, there's always a risk of getting your heart broken. Yeah. You know, it's something you can't avoid. But I always feel like when it comes to love, I mean, it's, it's way better to have experienced it and to learn through mm-hmm. it than to avoid it altogether. Yeah. And I, I've had my heart broken. Mm-hmm. I think we all have multiple times. Yeah. But in a way, I enjoy, not that, you know, I'm not a masochist, but mm-hmm. you, there is like enjoyment from getting your heart broken because then you realize what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with everything you said. And I think the, f- like, something to tell yourself as you go into this and you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm really scared of getting my heart broken. You will. Mm-hmm. That will happen. There is a risk that that's going to happen. But you have to ask yourself, am I willing to take that risk? Do I want to experience X, Y, Z out of chance that I might get my heart broken? Mm-hmm. And if that's no, then you might not want it that bad. You might not be in a place of even being able to be open and vulnerable enough with yourself even to actually connect with someone and experience xyz Mm -hmm. i mean all the best loves um you know you're falling you might you might when you fall and hit the ground you might break that's cool (laughs) i'm really trying to solidify this metaphor (laughs) yeah i but i heard i forget where i heard this but um I really like framing love as stepping into love mm. because when we hear the phrase falling in love, it's like you have no control There's over the it risk. and it's so emotionally reactive and mm-hmm. it's so like this dramatic thing that we see in movies mm-hmm. and like what if we actually just stepped into love with someone if mm-hmm. we said, you know, wow, I feel this way. I see you as this and this and that and like. I am going to really step into and experience these feelings with you. It's 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 a more intentional step. Yeah. Um I thought that was so beautiful and I was like, I yeah, that. I want to step into that because it's I don't know, it feels more like a conscious mm-hmm. direct intentional well, yeah. choice as opposed to this like I have no control over my feelings and I'm just like yeah. falling in love with you. Right? And that's that's the love that movies always depict. It's yeah. like we're just going to go crazy. We're going to live fiercely and passionately, which is yeah. great. Um, but th- I mean, I always feel like there's safety in the communication of what you want, what the other mm-hmm. person wants. Um, and it's not as fiery. It's not as romantic. No, but I mean, I think, I mean, it, I think really it can still romantic, be. I think I mean, it can like, still be romantic. Pa- I mean, yeah. not as just like throwing around like, you know, but I think 
communication is the best way to not soften the blow of breaking your heart, but at least you know where you stand and where the other person stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I would say, too, I mean, as you go into that, like, yes, there is a chance that you will be heartbroken, but also you will be OK. Yeah. And for for a few minutes, for a few months, for a few years, for however long, you might not be OK. Yeah. But. That's also okay. It's okay not to be okay. You have friends and family to be there for you. I think it's important to know that the person you're in a relationship shouldn't be the only person you're in a relationship with. Yeah, 100%. Put energy and nurture other relationships around you and you're always going to be okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, Taylor, thank you so much for coming to the studio yeah. and talking about all the love things. Since you're recently single, I'm going to get you in here. <laughs> I need We're a date. Find you. We're going to find you a match. <laughs> a bearded man, please. Yes. So yeah. all men with beards, if you are listening, <laughs> this lovely, lovely lady, yeah. um, DM. We're yeah. going to find it out. Yeah. Show me the <laughs> show me the beard, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like beards, like the scruffiness. Yeah. I need, like, I just... I, I have like Neanderthal in me and a I'm just I'm love. like give me a bearded man who can like build me a fire and like ravage me in the woods but also <laughs> has been to therapy and like can yes. talk about his feelings yes exactly <laughs> and likes cats is that too much to ask is that too much to reasonable, ask reasonable right <laughs> well thank you so much Taylor for coming in the down to date studio yeah, thanks Everyone, for having me don't forget to rate review subscribe check out Taylor's podcast do you want to say that yes. name and podcast again yes you can check it out on any major podcast app it's called let's talk about it with Taylor Nolan All right. Well, thank you guys so much. See you next time.